more. Our spiritual maturity is directly connected to our emotional maturity. In order to grow in Christ, we must learn how to name our fears and idols in order to surrender them. So today on the podcast, we talk about how the Enneagram can be a tool of self-reflection to help us assess the health of our heart. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. I'm your host, Wade Joy. And on this podcast, we're on a journey to help you reset your rhythms and renew your dreams according to the priorities and practices of Jesus to grow in greater discipleship to Christ. And so we have a very interesting interview today with my friend, Jackie Brewster. Jackie is a certified Enneagram coach, and she's an author of books like Hearing God Speak, which is a 52-week Enneagram devotional. She released a box card set called Enneagram Essentials. She has a new book coming out soon to help marriages, uh, which she talks about later in the interview. And she also recently launched a new podcast called Enneagram Conversations, which I've listened to. It's very informative and helpful. And so my hope for this interview is that you will gain new tools to help you evaluate the core fears and the patterns of your heart and to do the hard work of asking, why am I like this? Where does it come from? And then how can I surrender what I find to Jesus in order to grow in my discipleship? So I think it's going to be a really informative and helpful interview. I can't wait for you to listen. But before we get to that, I want to share a quick message I got from Eric on Instagram. Eric, he's a faithful podcast listener. He often sends encouraging feedback on the episodes. And he recently wrote in and said, Mondays are marvelous because of the impact of this podcast, Rich Conversation with Graham. So thank you, Eric. I'm glad you look forward to Mondays. I know that I do. And I loved that interview with Graham Cochran as well. If you haven't listened to it, go back, check it out. It's a great exploration of how we can find purpose in our work, even in work that we don't like, how God created work to be holy. We go into uh, generosity and the power of that in the interview. It's a really great episode, so check that out. And also subscribe to the podcast so every Monday you don't have to miss our latest episode, and I hope that you start seeing Mondays as marvelous as well. All right, now it's time to jump into my conversation with Jackie Brewster. Jackie, welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, I, I've been pumped about this because uh, you and your husband, Stephen, are great friends uh, with wife and I, and we love hanging out with y'all. We love spending time with you. You've helped us understand a lot about um, our own emotional health, both individually and then as a couple too. Um, we've had a great conversation. So I've been really excited for you to share your wisdom on the podcast but first of all, just tell everyone listening just a little bit about you. What does life look like for you? What does ministry look like for you? Um, well, I am a certified Enneagram coach and experiential specialist. I live here in Franklin, Tennessee with um, my husband, Stephen Brewster, who does lots of things in the music business uh, and church world. And we have four amazing children. Um, but uh, my days pretty much look like life coaching, uh, using the tool of the Enneagram, helping people uncover and discover more about who they are, why they do what they do, and then figuring out growth tracks. What does it look like to go um, 
you know, move towards a healthier version of who you are. So I love that I get to do that. I have a podcast and some books and fun things like that. Um, but life is full and fun. And um, I love this journey and the path that God has placed me on. And I feel completely honored that he would entrust me with um, the conversations that I get to be a part of in so many people's lives. I remember several conversations with you where you helped me understand and put some pieces together and connect some dots about my own just emotional makeup, a lot of my own past experiences. And that's a lot of the reason why I wanted you on the podcast, because I've been on a journey over the last couple of years that I've shared a lot um, with those who follow along on the podcast about emotional health and spiritual health and a lot of healthy rhythms that our family has started to adopt and I've started to adopt. And one of the key books for me in this journey was by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he made a statement that you can't be spiritually mature um, and be emotionally immature. I've heard you talk enough to know that um, the Enneagram is a great tool to help assess our emotional maturity because that can feel like such a vague thing to know, like, because well, I feel like mm-hmm. my emotions always feel like a mess. I never feel like I'm emotionally mm-hmm. mature. Can you talk about, you know, how, how have you seen that play out in your own life and in the life of the people that you coached? That's a, it's a great question around um, emotional awareness. And, and that is definitely something that through coaching and through the books and different um, products that I have out there, that is one of the focus of attention for me is around emotional connection and emotional awareness. Uh, you know, we're human beings created for connection and we don't always get this right. And, you know, a lot of emotional connection has to do with uh, early childhood experiences. And so how how was that for us? If we learned how to turn our emotions off early in childhood, it's very likely that as adults, we're walking through the world with our emotions mm-hmm. Um you know, shut off or muted or whatever that is. Uh, and so we don't have access to what is really happening inside of us. We're kind of living in, in this, like, this is just who I am. I don't feel like you feel, or I don't do it like you do it or whatever happens, you know, whatever words we would say around this, the emotional side of stuff. But, uh, you know, when I look at the emotional connection and I think about relationships, you know, whether it's with a, with a spouse or with your children or with friends, emotional connection is key. And emotional connection has a lot to do with eye contact. It has a lot to do with bids for connection. It has a lot to do with vulnerability and showing up and caring about other people, not just about ourselves and our own agenda. And so the work with the Enneagram, it helps you to see maybe where you're stuck. It helps you to see where maybe there's a knot. Uh, you know, we talk, there's so many different aspects of the Enneagram, but one of them is triads. And so we talk about the heart. Are you in the heart triad, the head triad, or the gut triad? It doesn't matter what triad you're in. There's a knot in each one of those triads. And so it has a lot to do with, um, are you thinking? Are you using a lot of thinking? Are you using a lot of feeling? Are you using a lot of gut instinct or movement? Um, And in that, we'll see a knot around the emotional side for every one of them. Like it's not, we're not all on track unless we do aware, like work around awareness. How do we become more aware of uh, where we're stuck? So... If someone is stuck in a place, well, I've heard you say too, you, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna mess this quote up, but you can't change what you're unwilling to acknowledge. Um, mm-hmm. So, how important is it to be able to acknowledge that place where you're stuck to actually push through it and find the change? 
Well, um, pretty important because you can't change what you can't acknowledge. You can't heal what you're unwilling to feel. Um, if you can't name it, you can't, you can't claim it. You can't work through it if you can't name it. So even on little things, like I'm so confused is a definitely something I've been hearing a lot in the past month and a half uh, mm-hmm. with clients. Like I'm just so confused and we'll slow it all down. And I'm like, pretend there's a cloud above your head. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pull down some words and see that let's try to name some of the things that you're confused about. So it has a lot to do with, um, being able to give word to whatever it is that, that we're trying to work through. Okay. Because then if we, if we can acknowledge it, if we can name it, then we can start to make sense of it. And, and it is a process. So I teach Enneagram this way, awareness. We've got to become aware of our own selves. We've got to become aware of our own patterns of behavior, our own motivations. So we become aware and then we have to move into the space to acknowledge uh, our role in our own story, which is a huge thing, like acknowledging your own role in your own story, not what everybody else has done to you or what all the things that have happened or whatever, but what about your, you are, is true for yourself in your story. And, um, so it's the awareness acknowledgement. And then once we have those things on board and we're able to acknowledge patterns of behavior or whatever it is, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Okay. Then we're going to dig out maybe the why, or how did we do that? Why do we do that? Um, what do we gain from doing that? And then we get to move towards growth, which I like to call like the pivot. We get to choose to do something different. When it comes to the word choice or choose, that is always an interesting thing because we always have a choice. We just often don't like to make the choice. Yeah. Um, and so in all circumstances and situations, and some of them are easier than others, and some of them we can't get out of, and it's not an easy exit. And I understand all of that. So this is not by no means like just choose different. That's not the work I do. It's more around... Um, where are we at and what does it look like to begin to move towards something different? What if we did choose something different? Um, and when we're talking about the emotional connection side of things, what does it look like to choose to be emotionally connected, emotionally healthy in yeah. our relationships? What does that look like? Well, I love how you, just the personal responsibility that you're emphasizing through that, because I think a lot of the time, a lot of people push back on the Enneagram or any kind of self-assessment because they think yeah. it's limiting and they think this is the only way mm-hmm. I can ever be. And so, you know, it can't possibly be helpful. Yes. Talk about that. Yes. Is it, does it box yes. you okay. in? Does it box you in? Uh, okay. So when I think about the, does it box you in question, definitely people get that. I think I thought that at the beginning too. I was like, I don't want people to read about me or tell me who I am. And then I recognize like, oh, I am the one that built these patterns of behavior. I am the one that uses these coping strategies strategies. I am the one that actually has put myself in a box. I am the one that has believed for years that this is just who I am. So I'm an Enneagram seven. You know, people would say like, you're a great starter. That's a great finisher. Or Stephen would say, my husband, you're, she's a great starter, horrible finisher. You know, and I'm like, 
then I'll live up to that, I guess, you know? And then I recognize like, that is not a true statement of me. And it doesn't benefit me to believe that about myself. And so I'm not going to put myself in that box. I'm actually going to finish what I start, but there has to be healthy patterns for me to be able to do that. I have to feel safe and secure. Otherwise I'm always looking for an escape route. I'm always looking for a backup plan or how do I get out of this thing? Um, and, and that has a lot to do with childhood patterns of behavior or belief systems, unconscious childhood messages. It has a lot to do with like, I've got to figure out how to do this on my own and I don't want to be boxed into anything um, or, or backed into the corner. And so I had to like kind of think through this on my own around um, being, you know, putting myself in a box with Enneagram awareness that actually... I began to like pull stuff out and say like, where did that come from? What is that? Is that even true about me? Um, or, you know, when I got to parts of it, it, it was more like, um, why do I do that? And is it getting me where I want to go? And recognizing again, I have a choice to do something different, to go in a different direction. And so if I believed like I'm a great starter, horrible finisher, I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't have a coaching practice. I wouldn't have books. I wouldn't have um, a podcast. I wouldn't have all these things if I allowed myself to be boxed into that belief that is not true about who I am. Yeah. Um, that's really helpful. Even I heard you talk about, you know, that you uncover the things that need to be dealt with in your life and then you discover new healthy patterns in this season. So I really mm -hmm. love that framework. Um, now the second yes. part of that question was, you yeah. know, what's the difference between recognizing, well, this is just the way I am, which I feel like that's a very common cultural tendency right now. Well, this is just who I am. So you're just going to have to deal with it. And then the right. other side of that, which, you know, we as Christians believe is, well, there's sin in our life that is not okay. Mm -hmm. And we've got to repent of that, surrender that to the Lordship of Jesus so how do we break sin patterns, but also give ourselves grace for some of the way that we're wired, both strengths and weaknesses? Mm -hmm. that's, a good, that's a good question too. I think that the that this is just who I am pattern right here. Um, I want to know why. I always want to know why. Why do you think that? Or where does that come from? Or what causes you to believe that? Because our personality is not who we are. Our personality sits out ahead of us and our, our personality is what protects us. Okay. The essence of who Christ made us to be is not our personality, but our personality is made up of behavior patterns that we have um, adopted and adapted throughout our lifetime to get us what we want, to keep us safe and to get us love. And so when we understand that, we're able to break it down in such a different way that it's like, why am I doing that? Uh, this is how I learned to get love. So that's why I'm doing this. Okay. So it's not who you are. This is a pattern of behavior. So I do think just like pulling apart those two pieces around, this is who I am. And these are my patterns of behavior. That's huge work. And that is awareness. Mm -hmm. That is definitely Enneagram, uh, it's not only Enneagram awareness, but, but the Enneagram is a great tool to help us with the awareness around, um, 
the behavior patterns. And, you know, I use Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson's book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. They have nine levels of health. And right in that middle range where most of us live, it's where fear, worry, and afraid step in. And when fear, worry, and afraid kick up in your life, that is where the patterns of behavior that uh, that we use, like this is just who I am and just deal with it. That's where this happens. It's usually a defense mechanism right in here, a coping strategy around I don't feel safe or I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. I can't quite figure out how to get my bearings. And so this is not the best version of who we are when when we're living there. Um, But this would be our coping strategy around that. Mm -hmm. So I think the awareness of what's happening in your world right here. Okay. That's the, that's the beginning of it. And then when we can begin to look at like, what is sin and what is, what is situation? Can we say it like that? What is sin and what is situation? Um, you know, what is behavior and what is sin, you know, it has to do with motivation. Why are we doing it? in the first place. What is it? Is it destructive to ourselves? Uh, You know, each Enneagram number does have a signature sin, but what I actually, I like um, the Hebrew word for sin. Um, I'm going to spell it because I don't even know how to say it. I want you to speak some Hebrew today. Kahata. (laughs) 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 So so, uh, K-H-A-T-A, and it means missing the mark. And so when we think about this, um, you know, as Christians, we hear the word sin and sin automatically we're like cover up, run away, hide. Like I feel exposed. Um, it's not, it, it doesn't make, it doesn't necessarily move us towards, uh, confession when we hear that or when we're, or when somebody's exposing us in this area, it usually causes some level of shame, you know, that, that particular word, um, but when we think about it through the lens of missing the mark, that actually, it's, it's uh, an easier way for us to probably move towards something to, to begin to understand what's happening. So like, man, I keep missing the mark in this area. What's causing me to miss the mark in this area? Oh, myself? Like, oh. So like the, the way that I miss the mark as an Enneagram 7 is gluttony. Okay. That would be Enneagram term. And so I'm like, oh, and it's not about food. It's more about like, I just want to fill myself up. I don't like the way that I feel. I feel void of something. I feel lonely. I feel whatever. If I just consume and I'm a real retail shopper. So you can just imagine (laughs) how wonderful that is this time of year. Um, So it's like, if I just keep gathering and getting more stuff, maybe I'll feel better. But the truth is that the surrender needs to happen in my own life around this area. Like, what am I trying to fill up myself? Mm -hmm. Well, the only way for me to ever feel fully satisfied is to go to Christ and have a a rich, deep relationship with him that's full of like spending time in the word and prayer and meditation and and, um, living a life on purpose for a purpose. Right. So I think that like the the drive towards that kind of understanding – um, can definitely happen with some Enneagram awareness around the, the, the way each number misses the mark, because it does shed some light on where you get tripped up. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, you know, if you read it, cause it's going to tell you why for, you know, Enneagram work just kind of puts all your stuff out there, whether you like it or not, I <laughs> think you're like, Oh my gosh, why are you telling everybody my business? Um, but it puts it out there and then you can reflect on that and ask yourself, is it true? Am I doing this? Is this what's happening for me? So um, like, what number are you? I am a, I'm, you a, I'm a six. 
That is the number I don't want okay. to be, but that is what I am. <laughs> I would so much rather be a seven like that, you. <laughs> when we look at the Enneagram six and this, this uh, way that the six misses the mark, it's around fear. So, and it can be around anxiety, um, the worry, you know, and how that settles and kind of sits on your shoulders. And so when you look at that, you can, you can say like, okay, if I continue to live in this, what part of this leads me to sin, which is like, I'm going to have to figure life out on my own. And then what's the surrender side of the surrender side of this is like, the Lord says that he doesn't give me a spirit of fear, but a love, peace, and a sound mind. He says that he is the um, a strong tower and the righteous can run into him and find safety. And so I, I know if I move towards Christ in my fear that um, I'm not doing this alone and I'm less likely to walk in the ways of sin and more likely to walk in the ways of surrender if I have an understanding of what gets, you know, where I get tripped up. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think that's extremely helpful. Um because even just using me as an example, like if you, if I really start to dig deep and ask myself why, when I'm struggling with not trusting God in a certain area, it does go back to fear. And specifically, probably the biggest fear I struggle with is fear of man. It's, it's fear of other people's, mm. losing other people's approval, other people's validation or protection. And what, what has been helpful about the Enneagram as a self-assessment tool for me is that question of why. It's digging deeper. There have been conversations with you and, and Stephen, your husband, where y'all have just really helped me peel back some of these layers. And I think that's what Jesus did when he was talking to people about sin. Yes, he would he would mention the behavior, but then he would dig deeper to the root, to the heart. He always went to the heart. And so that yes. has been a helpful thing of saying, no, we're not just going to accept how we are. We're going to understand mm-hmm. why we're like this and let that bring us towards yes. a deeper trust in Jesus. Yes. When we talk about this missing the mark, this in peace here um, with the Enneagram, you know, and we're, we're diving into that, that aspect of it, it is around um, protection, like, what I think is going to help me get where I need to go or what I need from life at the expense of what, at the cost of something. And that's right there. When you know it's sin, there's a cost to it. Okay. Like there's a cost. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if every single number has a different, has a different highlighted area um, that they're more, you know, they're just more susceptible to. And so when we're looking at that, it is at what cost. And I think that that's the piece right there that I think it helps like, because, you know, when you're fearful, it doesn't mean that it's causing, like you're not walking in sin because you're fearful. It's, it's when you feel like you've got to take on everything, the weight of the world is on you and it becomes self-focused and um, you don't move into purpose because you fear man, or you don't move, um, you don't, you don't walk according to God's purpose and will for your life because of of fear, that's where you get tripped up. It's right yeah. there. You know what I mean? Where as a seven, I'm like, I get tripped up when I when I think that I'm gonna find fulfillment in excess. It's it's mm-hmm. at what cost? My bank account, maybe my tithe, maybe my uh, margin and emotional energy, all of it at what cost? Yeah. And so that that piece right there, I think it's really, really helpful to understand that the pattern right there to understand the pattern that's happening 
for each one of us and where we get tripped up. You know, I listened to a great podcast episode that you did um, about core fears for each of the Enneagram numbers. I thought it was powerful because, I mean, the refrain throughout all of Scripture is, do not fear, uh, do not be afraid. And what you just said, too, is so powerful is, I don't think we're going to ever escape the feeling of fear in our life here on earth, but we can still walk in confidence and trust in Jesus despite the fear, and we can move towards God even when we feel afraid. And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but would you be able to quickly just name the core fears for each of the numbers? Um, Because I think it could be helpful for people, even if they don't know their Enneagram number, to maybe hear some of these and be like, oh yeah, that's what I struggle with. And once again, when you can acknowledge it, then you can start to change it. I'm going to do my best. (laughs) I don't have a cheat sheet in front of me. So I'm like thinking, I do, you know, I think I do know this. Um, So when I think about the Enneagram numbers, I look, you know, and I'm working with people around those core fears that the Enneagram one, they don't want to make a mistake. You know, they want to be seen as good and right in the eyes of others. So there's a big fear around being seen as, as corrupt in any way. And so I don't want to make a mistake. So therefore we do see a perfectionist side to an Enneagram one. It doesn't mean everything has to be tidy and perfect. Um, it means that they don't want to do anything wrong. They don't want to be on the wrong side of anything. And so at what cost is going to be the question I ask around these fears at what cost. And so um, who are you afraid of? Who are you fearing when it comes to making a mistake? Are you uh, making sure, you know, that you are aligned in the right places? Um, and what can happen here with the Enneagram one is that the fear of making a mistake can turn into judgment and critical thinking. Um, and so that, that is, that's kind of where the, the, sin side of things can come in. It becomes like, this is a measuring stick. And if you don't live up to the measuring stick, you know, then you're going to get whacked on the hands kind of thing. Like you're not doing it right. So there's a lot of critical judgment that happens inside of that for the Enneagram one. And so I cautiously say this on your podcast, like if that is you and and that did hit a nerve, then it's just sitting in it and thinking through, where does this come from? Where does this come from? You know, the Enneagram too, they fear um, being unloved and unwanted. You know, they fear uh, losing connection and relationship. Everything kind of rises and falls for an Enneagram too on relationship and in relationship. And so they don't want to do anything that's going to keep them away from people. And so the Enneagram twos can sometimes get caught up in people-pleasing behavior. And this is really harsh, but I think it's helpful when we're talking about this kind of stuff. But people pleasing is more about controlling what other people think about you than it is about people pleasing. So, wow, that's so really true. Really sitting with that. That's ooh, right. I'm yeah. sorry for anybody that just was like, "Shut up, Jackie." <laughs> I know. I just, um, I just felt convicted. But that, oh, right. It's, it's. You've got to think about like. Why am I doing it and at what cost? So if, mm-hmm. if I want people to love me and want me and I'm fearful that that's not going to happen, what am I willing to risk to make it happen? Yeah. And that's a big one. Like, you know, um, 
What what are you putting up with? What boundaries are you, are you allowing to be crossed? Because you're you don't want to lose connection. Mm-hmm. And there's you know there's not there's not a shame element to this. It's more of a an awareness and an understanding of like hmm. I don't want to function like that. That's what a lot of my twos say. Like, wait a minute. I don't want to do that. Hold up. Wait a minute. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. let's unpack that. Um, The Enneagram three, they fear being seen as irrelevant or um, dismissed, not being seen uh, in a good light. They really want to achieve. And a lot of this stems from their identity comes from their accomplishments and achieving greatness. And so if they don't have accomplishments to lean on, if they don't, if people aren't, aren't um, affirming them and what they do, then they feel like, I don't know that I have worth here. And so this is a tricky one because it, it's to your, to the Enneagram three is to their worth, right? Their mm-hmm. self-worth. And we know apart from Christ, that can look really, really messy. And so, um, you know, at what cost when it comes mm-hmm. to affirmations and, and chasing, um, approval, um, yeah. you know, and accomplishing great things, there's usually a cost to it. And, um, you know, a lot of it is connection to people, you know, yeah. uh, at a deep emotional level for the Enneagram three, because they are so driven that they are moving, moving, moving. Um, but it can also cause them to make some de- decisions and, um, get them off track a little bit as, or a lot as they're climbing the ladders. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So the Enneagram four, what they're afraid of, they are being, they, they want to be accepted as who's, you know, for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are fearful of being seen as um, just uh, disregarded or overlooked or irrelevant. It's kind of, it's, is this the common like the same as a three. Is this like the common, like the artist, the the worship leader, the musician, would they be a lot of them be yeah. fours? Yes. Yeah. You're going to, I mean, not all of them, but we, we get a good amount of those. <laughs> um, so they're, they're, you know, they don't want to be, the fear is, I'm too much or I'm not enough, honestly. Like if we just say it really plain, the fear is um, people don't get me or people aren't aren't willing to be open enough to get me. And so they kind of come in, they can come in as distant and withdrawn and they can feel mysterious at times or they can come in bold and direct and it can feel off-putting at the same, you know, both of those are could both either one of those could be a four. And it's usually like, I'm going to put this protective layer on myself because I'm expected to be, to be rejected. Like I'm expecting to be rejected. And so I need to figure out how to protect myself in this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have a hard time looking out at the world and thinking like all these people have it so much easier than I did. If I just had those skills and talents, it would be easier for me too. And they can, they can miss the very thing about them that is beautiful, um, trying to protect themselves from being hurt. Yeah. It's kind of like a web, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what about okay. the five? So when we look at the Enneagram five, they really fear being, um, overwhelmed. Okay. Mm-hmm. They fear that their needs are going to be a problem. 
Um, and so they, they really try to minimize that by making their world small, by not asking a lot from other people, um, by trying to make sure that they can protect themselves and, um, or, or provide for themselves. So they are the type that they could have a, a lot of money in the bank and they might still drive a car that's 20 years old. They, you know, they might be the ones that are more minimalistic when it comes to material possessions. Um, or, you know, like I've got three pair of pants and five shirts. That's enough. I don't need more than that. Um, it can be around that. Like I'm going to make my needs small because I feel like this world is a scary place and it's not, it's unpredictable. And I'm, I'm afraid if my needs are too big, um, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be disappointed. And I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position. So I'm going to take it upon myself to protect myself in this way. Yeah. Well, you said you've already done six. You've diagnosed me, my, my fear of disappointing people, <laughs> of not being, not being safe, all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Yep. Yep. The six is around fear, fearful mm-hmm. of, um, it's, you know, the six is around fearful of losing, um, um, connection. And, and it's like, I need to look at other people, positions of authority, institutions, um, for guidance and direction. And so the fear is around losing that guidance, that protection, that support system. That's where the fear really exists for the six. So it could be fear of relationship, like losing relationships. It could be fear of, of switching a job because it's, you don't know what the next one would look like, or you don't want to ruin anything in this one. So there's, there's fear, like that's the type of fear we're talking about. Cause people oftentimes think with the six is their fear of their, you know, they're fearful of their own shadow. No, they're not. That is not true. It's, it's a much bigger, deeper, um, complex fear around support and guidance. Yeah. Like if I don't have that, I'm not sure. I mean, it's why, you know, so it's, it's, it's why, you know, a year ago when our family stepped into this new season of ministry, and stepped away from being on staff at Elevation for 14 years, that was such a terrifying thing for me. Even though we felt God was calling us to do it, we were leaving so much of our stability and support system. And it was really, and I was going to mention this when you were done, but uh, walking us through the numbers, but I'll say it here, but it really attacked an idol in my life. And so I think Mm -hmm. as you name these fears, you're also naming the idols that people turn to apart from Christ. And it's an acknowledging, oh, this can be an idol for me. And it's in laying it down that you are finally able to embrace surrender. So that's kind of what I've learned as I've walked through this process of of this year of realizing, okay, I'm fearful about these things because I've made other things an idol in my life. And so that's how it's helped me. And I think it can help everybody else as they start to see some of the fears that they struggle with. That's such great insight into taking these fears and um, making sense of them too, you mm-hmm. know, of like, where, where does this really lead me? You know, as I look at the the seven, which is, I'm a seven, um, the fear that we have as sevens is being trapped in emotional pain or negativity. Uh, you know, we are typically upbeat, positive, happy people. 
but it's, it's because we, we learned that that's the best way Mm -hmm. to stay safe and to get our needs met in life because people like happy people. It doesn't mean that we don't have pain and we don't have all the, all the things everybody else has. We just learned really early on to avoid them at all costs, Mm -hmm. which when you're talking about the emotional connection, the emotional side of people, um, sevens have a hard time tapping into the emotional side of who they are, what they're really feeling and thinking because they learned to shut that off or, or mm-hmm. turn it down, mute it in some ways early on because it didn't get them what they needed. And yeah. so it's like positive reframing, figuring it out. But when I look at the the seven, the deep work at the seven is, is it has to do with the fear of, of going into those deep emotional places. Because if, if you don't do that work as a seven, uh, you're going to medicate that pain through whatever means that that is, whether it's binge watching television shows, whether it's shopping, um, overpacked schedules, busyness, whatever that is, um, which is distraction. And I guarantee you that will keep you from walking out the purpose that he has for you. Um, and, and so I can definitely see how, how that becomes an idol too, of like avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. Mm-hmm. And then avoidance does not get you where you want to go, people, and it doesn't make things go away. Yeah, um, it just makes you a little bit more numb to yeah. to what's happening around you. So, and avoidance usually um, is just pushing the problem down the field, and it's worse when you finally have to deal yes. with it. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. We have the counseling bills to prove it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, but you know, I don't, I wouldn't have known that about myself because I would have said like, this is just who I am. I'm happy, upbeat, whatever. Um, I don't feel deep like all you other people feel. That's (laughs) definitely something I would have said before. I don't say that anymore. I do have access to those feelings. Um, I just don't like to stay there long. (laughs) So (laughs) I still don't, I'll do it. I just, Uh I'm, and we're all growing. I can do it better than Yes. Right. Uh, as we look at the eight, it's the fear of being controlled. You know, the eight is like, I don't want to be controlled by anybody else. I, you know, the fear of being, it's actually the fear of being betrayed, made to look stupid or incompetent. Um, and so a lot of my eights will say like, I, I don't want to control people, but I want to control anything that has the potential to control me. Hmm. And so that's always interesting right there. Um, and so there's like, I don't want to be made to look stupid. And and there's been calls that I've had with clients where they're eights and something happens on the call. And I do a lot of work with couples. And so something gets said and it, it just flies off. It just, it's some, you know, a trigger happened, they feel exposed, and then you can watch this thing unwind. Mm-hmm. Um in, or unravel. And it is, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be in that seat for an eight and feel like I, I'm never going to be vulnerable. That that's what you'd put on kind of as the layers of protection. Like I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to let, let people get too close to me. I'm always going to be on guard. Um, but that wouldn't be the way that God would want you to live to the fullest of, of who he has, you know, who he wants you to be and the people that he has for you in your life. He wants you to have deep emotional connection and, um, and vulnerability, but it mm-hmm. is scary. You know, it depends on the, the eights childhood story and what that looks like. Yeah. And, and if they can do that, but I'm pretty you know, sure. You cannot, my... Let me say this because go ahead. Uh, let me say this real quick about this right here, because 
I think it's important when we're talking about this type of work, you can't do work around any of this if you don't feel safe. So if you're not in a safe environment, if you're not in a safe relationship, if you don't feel safe um, in your in your life, it's hard to do work around awareness because you're hyper vigilant in, in trying to protect yourself here. So if you heard anything even today as we talk about this stuff and, and you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going there, it's okay. It just might not be time. Yeah. Um, I just, I always like to say that, like, you cannot do work when you don't feel safe. So. Yeah, that's so important. So, I mean, finding safe pastoral counsel, finding safe um, counsel from a therapist, from safe friendships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the place to process this because we can process things in very unsafe environments and that doesn't lead us to a good place either. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. You were going to say something. Oh, about I was just going to say, I think I'm raising an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, my youngest daughter, mm-hmm. she is very strong willed, um, very opinionated about what she loves, um, but also very emotional too. So sometimes I'm like, is she a four? Because I know she's too young for us to try to even do any of these um, mm-hmm. tests yet. But um, I'm even trying to think of how we parent is what are we doing to either contribute to the help to foster the good, to contribute to the weaknesses of this area. So it's causing me to even look at, even this weekend, we had a lot of issues with her. Um, and Ferris and I, my wife, we were talking about, are we, are we actually telling her that her emotions are bad by how we're parenting her? Mm -hmm. And so it's actually given us a lot of good things to think about as we try to steward the, the the little people that we're raising right now. Um, Right. But yeah, I, th- I think she's on the path to be an eight right now. Yeah, I've got one of those. <laughs> it's fun. It's, yep. It is a challenge. Um, but one of the things around when it, you know, around emotions, and there's certain numbers that need this more than others, um, and it is the mirroring back. And so it is validating somebody's emotion doesn't mean that you agree with them. And so it looks like, it could look like this. It could look like, um, I see that you're really upset about that. Mm-hmm. You okay. validate the emotion. Um, I, 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 underst- I wouldn't say I understand, right? So it's kind of like, because if you say I understand that you're like, then you're like, I get it. And we don't always get it. Sometimes we're like, I don't know why they are losing their minds. Uh, But (laughs) you know, but some of it's like, I see that you're really disappointed that we would not allow you to do that. Mm -hmm. That would be my situation. I've got a 14 year old right now. She's, you know, I'm like, it's not going to (laughs) happen. Well, I come from, my tendency uh is to suppress my emotion and or think I shouldn't Mm -hmm. feel that way. And so I noticed that my tendency with her would be like, it's not that big of a deal. You shouldn't feel that upset about it. And I'm having to learn even this weekend to say, hey, you just sit here and I know you need to feel Mm -hmm. some things right now. Get, get the crying out and then we'll talk about it. And so, but that's a struggle for me to actually uh acknowledge that. Yes. I, I'm like positive reframing. I'm like, it's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. Like, let's just figure out something fun and happy to watch. Really, that's what happens to me. Uh-huh. But I have to do the same work with my kids. And it is, um, you know, again, I'm not always great at this, but I'm trying really hard to be more aware of validating their feelings. And that does not mean that I have to agree with them, but it does mean that they have those feelings. And so, um, cause I like you and definitely my husband wants to say like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but we have three girls. So everything right in this 
teenage age is a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, instead it's like, tell me why you think it's a big deal or tell me why, tell me why you feel, um, the way that you feel and, and, you know, my girls will tell me like, fix your face. That's what they say to me. Sometimes they're like, fix your face. Your face is telling me you don't care. And I'm like, Oh, let me fix that. Let me fix that. Let me try this again. Uh, but it is like just letting them process and people want to be heard, not fixed. So, so a lot of the times we want to go into fix it mode and we want to, um, you know, my, you know, my husband's an Enneagram three, he definitely wants to fix and he doesn't want to feel any of it. So he's just like, fix it fast. Let's go. And that's just, that's just not the way of emotional connection. Um, it's hearing it's, it's, you're hearing, you know, you're listening to hear, not listening to respond, which is another really big deal. Learning to just listen to what people are saying to you, hold space. A lot of the times, um, you just kind of say back to them what they just said to you. Oh, you're disappointed because your friend didn't, you know, said that she could hang out and then she couldn't. Oh, that's what happened. So Mm -hmm. anyways, that stuff, I mean, I love that kind of stuff because I think it's practical application of the information we're trying to work through in our own lives. And then we're also hoping to break some patterns, right? Like Mm -hmm. generational patterns that maybe we grew up in that we don't want to pass down to our children. And so, um, I love hearing that work. Um, okay. Let me go into that nine so that, you know, if you're nine that, you know, you're not forgotten (laughs) the last (laughs) number of the Enneagram, they're always like, why do we have to be at the end? Um, This is my wife too. She's a nine. The core fear here is, um, is, is chaos. You know, like I don't want to be overwhelmed. I don't want to feel, um, like, I don't like chaotic environments. I don't like to feel overstimulated, maybe even could be a, a way that we would say this. You know, what they really want to know is that their voice and their presence matters. Okay. That's what an Enneagram nine wants to know. Um, they feel though, it's not necessarily appropriate to assert themselves into situations. So early on, they would have learned to kind of withdraw, um, and, and observe, but not necessarily jump in to the midst of, of the conversations or maybe the chaos in my home, it would be chaos for sure. Um, and so there is a fear of like, I'm going to be overwhelmed by all of this. This feels this, this is too much noise or too much, whatever. And, and that fear is loud, you know, but that fear also causes the Enneagram nine to kind of check out and not be Mm -hmm. fully present in their own lives. Um, and so they can, sometimes they can, they can even like arrange for great things to happen and then watch them happen instead of participating in the activity yeah. Um, or, or whatever's happening. It's like, we're going to have a game night. Okay. You guys, I, I bought the game. You guys play the game instead of playing the game with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this sidelines kind of, um, this is the best way for me to keep myself out of the chaos is to not play the game. Does that make yeah, sense? It does. Yeah. Um, what would you add to that as, you know, married a to a nine. Yeah. Yeah. What would you add to that? <laughs> One of the things that we've talked a lot about is Ferris adapts to the needs and the preferences of other people. And so she, as you know, you know, we've been married for 17 years now. Like we constantly have conversations about her being assertive about this is what I like and this is actually mm-hmm. what I want to do right now and really mm-hmm. discovering what it is that she loves versus what it is that she's brought in from other people that they love. 
And so mm-hmm. I think that's been a journey that we've been on about, you know, I have to be bold when it comes to asserting myself with other people. She has to be bold and just asserting what she wants and just what she enjoys, like what movie she wants to go to, what mm-hmm. restaurant we want to go to. So we, we both have to work on boldness, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's the the combinations that, you know, the couple combinations, they're always so unique mm-hmm. and, and, um, it's, it's beautiful when people are doing their work yeah. around all of this. Cause it's like hearing both of you guys, what you guys are working on or, or, you know, the awareness to what needs to be worked on in your own lives around asserting yourselves. Um, it's just, you know, it's unique that you guys are doing the work. Let's just say that right off the bat. And it's beautiful that you guys are holding space and feel, it feels safe to do that work together. Um, because not everybody has that. And so I think that it's neat to just highlight that for a moment. Like those are your fears. You both are aware of, of, of your fears and then you hold space for those to exist and also encourage each other into the growth path and what that looks like. What's also like we learn from each other too, because, and this is something I wanted to bring up too, because I feel like, yes, I would test as a six. And when you describe the core fears of a six or the strengths of a six, I feel like I resonate with most of those, but there's also things about a nine I resonate with and a one that I resonate with. And so I feel like we're all so unique and none of us can be confined to just one type And so I'm learning from Ferris's struggle as she's learning from my struggle and we're able to build Mm -hmm. each other up too. It's not that her struggles as a nine are not so far removed from my struggles as a six because we share a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a helpful thing to realize that we're each unique and this is a tool in the same way you go to the doctor, you have a symptom, you know the symptom of what's going on, but you go to the doctor to find out why it's happening. I feel like the Enneagram has been a great tool for us to ask why certain things are going on in our heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I do. I think it's a great tool. And I like to call it just that. It is a tool to help you uncover and discover more about yourself. And so, you know, you're un- you're going to uncover parts of your past, patterns of behavior, uh, sin patterns, all those things. And you're going to discover what growth looks like and new ways of being and what it looks like to have, um, you know, a healthy view on the future with awareness of your own self, why yeah. you do what you do, not what everybody else around you is doing, but there's such ownership. And, um, at the end of all of this, I answer for my life. I don't answer for Steven's life. I don't answer for the people that I go to church with or my, in my community or even my children, I answer for what I did with the life that I was given. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I want to, I want to honor that life. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a gift. And, and I would say I'm learning too, that the only way I have the power to, to make any of the changes is through the Holy spirit. It's through Christ. It's moving. It's finding the satisfaction yes that I'm trying to find in all these other idols and all these other places, actually realizing that it's only found in Jesus. That's it. That's where the transformation work happens. I believe as a Christian, the way that I use the Enneagram as a tool, it's the the tool of awareness, the transformation through the Holy Spirit, because we cannot do this on our own. If we could, you know, the world would look a whole lot different if we could just fix ourselves, but we can't, we have to go to the source and that's our savior, Jesus Christ, you know? And I think when we, when we look back at the 
Enneagram, the early childhood messaging. So um, there's an unconscious childhood message and then um, there's a heart longing message. And so when we look back at those, there's just, there's messages that we needed early on in childhood. And regardless of, of what home we grew up in, whether it was a really great home or it was less than ideal or anything in between, um, our parents could not give us a hundred percent what we needed. They just couldn't. If they could, we wouldn't need Jesus. I think that a lot about life. Like if if we didn't, if we could get everything that we needed all by ourselves, we wouldn't need him. Yeah. And so this there's an invitation around surrender um, when we become aware of the why. And so you understand, like, I don't want all this to rest on my shoulders. You know, like my heart longing is to know that I'll be taken care of. And the only way that I'm ever going to feel fully satisfied in that is my relationship with Jesus. It's not my relationship with my spouse, even though I want him to take care of me and be emotionally supportive in all of those things. And I want my children to be there. But at the end of the day, it's my relationship with Jesus that helps me to feel fully satisfied in my life. Yeah, I love that. I think that's... That's honestly a beautiful way for us to to end the conversation there because the whole point of going through this exercise is to lead us to the true source of life and the true source of our fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this has been awesome. I really think what you've walked us through today is going to help a lot of people start to name areas of unhealth so that they can finally start to even just make one step towards Christ and one step towards mm-hmm. acknowledging something that can lead to just incremental change and right. you know incremental change over time leads to big change. Oh, and I love that you just said it over time. You guys, this is a process. It, awareness takes time. I often say it's like 3 months of awareness of you just paying attention to why you're doing what you're doing, your patterns of behavior and then beginning to acknowledge the why behind them. And then we can get into the change and the growth. Um things, you know, oftentimes we want everything in the moment. We want, you know, we want to microwave all of this and and we want to fix it fast. It doesn't work that yeah. way. Uh, we we need to we need to become aware of the why and then begin to move towards growth and change. Mm -hmm. And so just allow yourself a lot of space when you're doing this work. And, um, and even the questions, if you're reflecting on anything from today's podcast that I would have shared with Enneagram, I would, what I'd want you to just give yourself time to process it and journal it even, um, and sit with it. Like, huh. Let me write, What? It, let me think about that. You know, mm-hmm. where is that showing up for me in my life? That's actually a great call to action to say, what, what fear do I struggle with the most? And Lord, will you show me why I struggle with it? And just sit mm-hmm. and wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you. Um, that's a great mm-hmm. action step from this conversation. Uh, Jackie, where mm-hmm. can people find that's you really good. if they want um, to learn more about you, your ministry, the Enneagram, where should they go? I am on socials, Enneagram with JB. Um, you can find me on, I talk back mostly on Instagram. So if you're on Facebook and you're talking to me there, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but if you jump over to Instagram, I will message you back, I promise. And then I have a website, um, Enneagram with JB.com. You can find me there for all resources. Um, I've got, you know, a 
52-week Enneagram devotional out that talks about uh, all nine types every single week. There's a scripture reference and then, you know, little little nuggets of Enneagram awareness, but the truth of the Word of God is in that book to help you understand how to unpack parts of yourself and then to apply scripture to whatever it is that you're working through in that book. Um, and I have a Enneagram card deck, which is Enneagram Essentials, and that helps you walk through your Enneagram you know, from basics to deep dives, all kinds of fun things like that. And I have a new project coming out, new book coming out, um, March 21st called, um, the Enneagram in your marriage, which is a seven week, uh, interactive workbook to help you and your partner work through all your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for that. So there are plenty of resources that people can find to help them in this just journey of awareness. So check it out. I'll put it all in the show notes And Jackie, it has been a joy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you learned as much as I did through that interview with Jackie. Uh, I'm going to link everything that she mentioned, all of her resources in the show notes, uh, the books that she currently has out, her new one coming out on marriage uh, in early 2023. I'll link to her podcast because I think these are all great tools for us to continue to hold our heart up to a mirror so that we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what do we need to continue to surrender to the Lordship of Christ? How do we need to continue to invite the Holy Spirit in uh, to help us lay down our idols, but also to move towards Him in faith? And so once again, the Enneagram, it's just a tool, but it is a helpful tool that I've used in my own life. So I wanted to share this with you. So thanks again for listening. I encourage you to share this episode with somebody. If it really helped you, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you back here next week on Dreamers and Disciples.